0: Enforcement Today Radio Show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Welcome to Law Enforcement Today. I'm John J. Wiley, flying solo in the radio studio. Uh, Robert Greenberg's working today, and it has got official police business to take care of and can't be here. So I'll be doing this alone, even though I'm alone today. I've got a really big show lined up for you. Patrick Shaver, a filmmaker. And he's produced a film called Officer Involved. It is a great film. This guy, very bright, got a bachelor's degree from University of Buffalo, Masters of Conflict Management from Kennesaw State University. He's lived in Ireland. His studies have taken him to the Middle East. And he's an instructor and is a crisis intervention certified law enforcement officer in Georgia. And his film, it's a documentary and viewing many, many officers across the United States involved in officer-involved shootings primarily the After Effects. Having said that, joining us on the phone, Patrick Shaver. Patrick is a filmmaker, and if I read correctly, also a police officer.
1: Yes, sir. That's true.
0: Where are you an officer at?
1: Well, I'm a police officer in Georgia. Because of uh, an internal policy, we keep our independent projects separate from
0: our official duties. Gotcha. I understand 100%. And you got involved with filmmaking and you've got this phenomenal i haven't seen it yet and i want to see it this phenomenal documentary called officer involved tell us about the documentary
1: sure so officer involved is a documentary that looks at what the police officer experiences after the shooting it started back in 2013 sort of as an idea a way to explore something that i had seen happen with one of my friends But at the same time, because another friend was asking me, you know, why can't police officers just shoot the tires on a car? So we didn't expect what was about to happen in our country. We had no idea. And we didn't know that this project that we were about to start was going to take four years. So it kind of took us by surprise, and we learned as we went.
0: So you had no real experience in filmmaking before you started this venture?
1: No, sir, not one bit. I learned how to make film while I was making this film.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. You know, people say to me, oh, it's a mind-boggling that as you retire from law enforcement, you get into radio. To me, making the jump from being active law enforcement to filmmaker, I don't know how, first of all, I don't know the first step in the process of making a film. Mm-hmm. Secondly, how do you juggle the time?
1: Oh, it was it was really difficult. I was fortunate in that My wife was a nurse, and we both had pretty set schedules, and we were able to each use our vacation and comp time and go out there and travel to interview police officers, but it really did come down to a a bigger time commitment than we expected. If you were to go back and tell me what the commitment was going to entail, I don't know that I would have started the project.
0: So if you really knew what you're getting into, the time-wise and all the effort involved, you probably wouldn't have done it again.
1: Absolutely. And, and I'll explain why. It's it's like going down the rabbit hole. You just take these little baby steps and suddenly you look back and you say, oh, my God, how far we've come. It's, it's really incredible to look back at it.
0: Something that, you know, in all honesty, I, I got into law enforcement in 1980. I was retired in 1992. And there's not a whole, there, back then anyway, there wasn't much talk involved after officer involved shootings or critical incidents or any of that is kind of like hushed up on the soaked under the rug and by the way go out and have a few beers and decompress that way
1: absolutely and and we found a lot of that as we did research into officer-involved shootings we came across what little literature exists on the topic and we could find nothing on film really nothing i i came across a film that's an fbi film that's that's passed around from person to person, but really I couldn't find anything on film that dealt with this topic. So we decided, let's let's really bring this up and let's ask some of these difficult questions.
0: How many officers were involved in the research and the documentary itself?
1: Between officers, experts, and civilians that we interviewed for the film, we've done over 70 filmed interviews, and the number is somewhere between 100 and 150 that we've spoken with all together. And it still climbs to this day because we're continuing to do some some more work for our future projects along the lines. I get asked that question a lot, and I have lost track of exactly how many people we've interviewed.
0: Is there a common denominator or something you find as a common thread with all these officers afterwards?
1: I really do. There's a few things that we found that people have in common. The one thing that we found that people have in common is it's, it's never a cut and dry. I went home, washed my hands of it, enjoyed my three days and went back to work. We haven't found that. We found people that have had less issue with their involvement in the shooting, but we haven't found the sort of stereotypical from outside of law enforcement, the stereotypical, oh, they did a three-day paid vacation and they love it. We haven't found that. So that's one thing that we found in our work. Another thing that officers had issues with, and, and this was really across the board, was how do you explain the shooting to your family? How, how do they go home and have the conversation with their children? A lot of people don't realize this, but officers generally live in the communities or the cities where they serve, and their their children Go to the schools that are still in these communities, and that can be a lot for the child to deal with as well it's It's this totally unseen piece of the puzzle, but those are two things that we found there there's all sorts of stuff now we did find that people generally did better when they were i don't want to say treated better by command staff but when when they were involved in the process, when they knew what was happening and what was what was playing out. They generally did better because they had an idea of what to expect. And I guess one of the big things is that, and we found this across the board, officers aren't being prepared for what happens after the shooting. And, and that we found that pretty much everywhere.
0: And I have never heard really any effective preparation and training from before we had a little bit of conversations in the academy in our yearly in services you know and then they started the whole thing in the late 80s of the critical incident stress debriefing teams but I'll be honest with you I don't really know that there's any real effective training at least not on a national basis for prevention or what to deal with what to expect how to handle the emotional stresses that come after an incident like that
1: Absolutely. And what I would say to people that are looking at bringing in some sort of training is that it can be as simple as bringing in an officer who's been involved in a shooting and have them talk about, okay, after the crime scene tape was put up, what happened next? What surprised you? What would you want other people to know about what happens next? Because I can tell you right off the bat, officers, unless they've been through it before or know someone that has, they find it hard to believe that you're now going to be the suspect in a crime. Absolutely. That's you a, are. It, yeah, You are absolutely going to be the suspect in a homicide or a felony crime. And that's going to be new to them because you signed up to serve your community. You signed up to come out here and, and help people and make society better. Suddenly you're the suspect for doing what you were asked to do, what you were trained to do. Alexis Artwall is in our film. She's an incredible police psychologist. And she she explains it just like that. What you've been asked to do, what you've been trained to do, what you would be derelict in your duty to not do, and now you're a suspect in a felony crime.
0: It is, I can tell you from my own experience, when you've been involved in one of these really, really bad, violent situations, and you've had to use deadly force, and I'm very fortunate. Everybody survived. Mm -hmm. But on the the report in Baltimore, it was uh, 30-1 as a suspect, and that name was me. Mm Mm-hmm. And the victim was the, the guy who did the armed robbery and the murder and all that stuff. But he was still a victim of a shooting until it was wanted being justified later on. And it was quite a, an emotional shock to see your name in the suspect category.
1: Absolutely. If you look at a lot of these crime scenes, a lot of these folders that contain the crime scene files, the officer is listed as a suspect. The person who was shot is listed as the victim, whether the person lived or died that's generally how it goes and just uh, we're not really preparing our officers for that how that might feel to see your name as the suspect
0: you mentioned the children because nowadays almost immediately or very very quickly they identify the officer so if the child is in the same vicinity of where the officer works they're going to hear about in school i never even thought of that conversation you know when i retired my daughters were two and three and, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't ever, was never comfortable talking to my wife at the time about what happened cause I wanted her to think, I'm okay. It'll be okay. I'm good at my job. I don't want to say, this is really bad. Really bad things happened. I'm frightened. You know, none of that.
1: It's true. Uh, a lot may happen with your children. We have an officer tell us that the media, and I say the media generally, I don't know the name of the news station, but a reporter followed his children to school and waited outside the school bus to get a report that involved the children. Oh, my um, God. Absolutely insane to think about, but these are situations that can happen.
0: Now, this documentary, Officer Involved, it's been how many years in the making?
1: The project itself spans four years. We spent about two years actively filming and
0: editing, about two,
1: two and a half years.
0: And it's available for purchase online?
1: It is. It's available For purchase on dvd at officerinvolvedproject.com and worldwide on itunes
0: excellent i think i read somewhere and correct me if i'm wrong are some departments starting to use this as a training film or informational film
1: yeah and that's that's sort of one of the latent functions of our work on this project we wanted to make sort of a, a pbs style documentary that maybe one day this can be on public access TV and add something to the conversation. We didn't realize that departments would be interested in it as a training tool. So as of yesterday, there's 30 plus police organizations, academies and colleges around the world, U S Canada and Australia that have signed on to use it as a training tool. And it's something that we're really supportive of. So long as they come through us and we've got to sign a a training waiver, Uh, as you know, me being a police instructor myself, I can't be responsible for what someone else teaches. Right. But, but yeah, we're really excited. Uh, yesterday, a department in Australia signed up for um, an unlimited license to use it for training. Now, I, I think it's amazing.
0: That's interesting you say Australia. Are you finding it to be more well-received internationally than here in the United States?
1: Believe it or not, we've had nothing but positive feedback so far on our work. That's actually. The only negative feedback that we have had on the film itself has been from people that haven't seen it. Okay. And it tells us that we've done a good thing. And one thing that's important to mention, we didn't try to explain why the police officers shot for, I would say, about 90% of the film. We just talk about the aftermath because the justification, that's one thing that people argue back and forth on. We tried not to get involved in that. We just wanted to say, no matter what the situation is, there is an aftermath.
0: And I'm sure, I can just tell from my own example, my uh, own experience, it is very difficult, uh, especially when you've been through multiples that, that just, that kind of violence leaves a certain mark on, not to sound religious, but mark on your soul and your psyche as mm-hmm. well. It definitely changes you.
1: And I would be interested to to ask you as well. I know you're the interviewer, but I'd be interested to ask you if being involved in these shootings had any type of impact on your career down the road as you progressed.
0: Yes, it did. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not quite sure how. Uh, I was involved mm-hmm. in four over eleven years, and uh, the first two, I never even fought or shot back. I just instinctively knew it wasn't the right mm-hmm. response. Uh, the last two were were devastating and were tremendously violent. The last one in particular wound up. The suspect had my hand and my gun at the same time, twisted towards my head, my revolver, and was wow. trying to shoot me. And I wound up tearing up my wrist, and I've been I've got two big steel plates in there, totally fused, and was retired on uh, what they call it, uh, physical disability. So at that point, you know, they have an effect on my career? It, it killed my career. And it ended it before I wanted it to be over. The, the transition from that uh, was a, a subject for a different day as well. And sure. so it's, it's much, much better now. But in the beginning, it was really, really tough. And the best thing I can tell people, and I've talked talk to young officers, is that when things go bad, if they do go really, really bad, two things you should always do if you have to use force, you know, A, don't lie about it, B, talk to a lawyer, and C, talk to a mental health person that understands, not just someone who's got credentials, someone who understands what it's like to be a first responder and some of the things you go through because those things could really save your life.
1: You're you're absolutely right. And just, just to mention a little bit about talking with somebody that understands, the IACP, best practices were created in 2013. A lot of departments might not have had a shooting for 10, 15, maybe more than that years. So if departments aren't looking at what the IACP has offered as a best practice, then they're going to be a little bit behind the curve when the shooting does happen. And of course, one of those pieces is that when the officer does finish up um, or while the officer is going through the process, they, they need to speak with someone who is trained and licensed and
0: has the criteria in trauma. That's absolutely correct, because what happens is you wind up talking to someone and you can almost, it almost sounds like you're a law enforcement officer. You ever encounter mm-hmm. someone who's delusional, you talk to them on the street, I'm sure you have, and yes. they're just rambling, 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 and he's like, it doesn't make any sense. And sometimes that's how the officer can feel when they're talking to someone who has no concept of what they're discussing that you're talking a different language and and they start asking questions and then it's like you get defensive and it's just kind of productive. So I would say it's vital that they have experience. It really, really is.
1: Absolutely. Jay. And in fact, one officer that we spoke with told me that the counselor that he was sent to was a domestic type counselor. So he found himself having to explain certain um, aspects of the job that domestic counselor because she wasn't familiar with the job and he said it was about halfway into that interview i felt like she was trying to get me to justify why i pulled the trigger in the first place right and it it made it completely ineffective
0: it does it here's the other thing i want to ask you you've seen hollywood and you've seen how they present law enforcement officers and you've seen you know the the buddy cop films and there's a, a shooting and how they handle it how far is that from reality?
1: It is so far from reality. The best way I could describe it is, is these shows, these movies, they're they're scripted. They're drawn from somebody's imagination to make compelling entertainment for a half hour to, to an hour and a half, depending on the format that we're watching. In real life, these situations are happening. And investigations into Austin Involved shootings can last as many as two, three, and four years. Oh, yeah. So... They, they are so far removed from the actuality, but in, in the same time this is enter, this is entertainment these these shows are 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 created to keep us engaged and to keep us entertained, so they try to pack as much entertainment as they can into this segment and it 's just so far from the truth
0: and unfortunately, a lot of people in the the, the communities uh, that watch that stuff even in the news media consume that product the hollywood product and think that that might be somewhat close to reality you know and why did you have to shoot him multiple times why didn't he get blown across the room into the wall when you shot him or why didn't you hit him in the foot why didn't you shoot him in the hand um all these preposterous things in reality don't make sense and are not even remotely close to being realistic
1: not at all um we did ask all of our police officers The question, why didn't you shoot them in the hand? And we asked this question because we were originally going to create this big segment to put in the film where we finally answer this question. And the answers were pretty simple. One, we're not trained to shoot in the hand. Two, we're responsible for wherever that bullet goes. So if I miss their hand, that might hit somebody else. I'm now responsible for that. Three, in these situations with adrenaline That's, that's not really something you can think about. As you know, um, our bodies have these chemical reactions that adrenaline kicks in and we can succumb to tunnel vision. And in that case, it's trying to avoid whatever the deadly threat is that's coming at us. There's just so, so many dynamics to it that Hollywood just doesn't do
0: justice to. So how do people get the film? How do people get to see the film?
1: It is now available um, on DVD at com, and, of course, it will be on iTunes and Google Play. You know, the, the really interesting thing that we did with this project is I was able to take a year-long approved, unpaid leave of absence, and my wife and I took it around the country showing it at departments sponsored by organizations and you name it. We, we did over 95 screenings, and it was just really amazing. We did 50,000 miles in 11 months. Wow. But it is finally coming out, and the DVD has been doing pretty well. I mean, as far as an independent project goes with no major studio backing, the fact that people are still buying copies of it is awesome. But it will be instantly available worldwide. can't wait because we want this to be part of the conversation.
0: And it's a conversation that needs to be had. And the other part of the conversation that that is not being addressed, and I don't don't know the film does, but the media certainly isn't, is when you talk about officer-involved shootings, uh, the headline it always begins at the end. The officer shot and killed the suspect. There's very little mention about the choices and actions that the suspect committed that the officer responded to. And uh, people wind up having this misconception that a police officer has a lot more control over someone in their decision-making than they do. The, chance, the reality is you don't. You're reactionary.
1: And we actually talked about that in the film. I think um, the exact wording is almost how you, how you describe it, that they look at the end and not what led to it. We have a, uh, an extended section on media in our film. Now, it was longer before. We've since cut part of it out. But we've actually had journalists ask us, hey, can, I, can you send me the, this media section? We want to report on just that.
0: And were you able to send it to them or no?
1: Oh, this was before the DVD was available. We said, let's wait and, and let's wait till the DVD comes
0: out. Awesome idea. Awesome project. And it kind of blows my mind. I did a little research on you. You're a police officer. You're highly, highly educated. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. So my bachelor's degree is in sociology and my master's degree is in conflict management. And I... I got both the bachelor's in sociology and the master's in conflict management because when I grew up, I wanted to be a hostage negotiator. So fast forward all these years later, I am a hostage negotiator and this project has sort of become the focus of, of my career.
0: That's amazing story. And I'm doing, I I thank you for the amazing work you've done. I thank you for your work as a police officer. I know how difficult that is and I can't even begin to imagine how much more difficult it was to, do the research and do the storytelling and getting officers to talk about, was it difficult to get them to open up and talk about these things?
1: No, but I only say that because um, I didn't have some of the hurdles that other people have. One, I'm a police officer. I wear my background and my personality on my sleeve, so people that that meet me know um, what they're getting. And as we started to do interviews, we were sharing little bits of what we were doing and other officers saw it and they reached out and for the first time they were being given an opportunity to share their perspectives. So what started as a project where we said we'll probably interview 10 people and we'll be happy if we can get two or three experts turned into a project where we've interviewed eight experts. We had more than we could have, we just didn't have any more time and tons and tons and tons of officers. It it really turned into a much bigger project than what we expected. But as far as the officers getting involved, um, we still get weekly, if not daily, officers to reach out to us and say, hey, I'm ready to share my story when you're ready to hear it.
0: And before, they never had a place to tell it.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. And um, occasionally, journalists would reach out to them. But depending on that officer's worldview and their perspective when it comes to journalists, uh, they may or may not have good reason to say no. We also were never trying to ask them, hey, can you justify for me why, why you did what you did or what was going through your mind at the time? We picked up with, okay, after the bullet left the gun, what happens next?
0: Okay, that's an interesting perspective because it's also very difficult to put into words, explaining their justification why you did it. And What I try to tell people is when I became very much aware that this man was trying to kill me, trying to end my life. It's kind of difficult to explain in legal terms or in layman terms how, how that feels. Um, so you, you have to react. There's not a lot of time to decide uh, whether you're going to react and which way you're going to react. And no one ever knows which way they're going to react either. It's, uh, you're not going to know until you're in that situation. So one last question, actually two last questions. How big of a problem... And your estimation is post-traumatic stress disorder with law enforcement officers, in particular those that have been involved in these critical incidents and officer-involved shootings?
1: I think post-traumatic stress disorder is a problem. And it's not just a problem with regard to shootings. It's a problem within our profession. And once an officer realizes or they've worked with a professional and they can come to see that, okay, I do actually have signs and symptoms of this and they can get it addressed, it can become a managed problem and it can be managed very, very, very well. What I worry about for our profession is the amount of people that may not know, that haven't been prepared, that don't know that, that hey, these might be the signs and symptoms of, of something bigger. But I will say this. When we started working on this project, one of the ideas that we had in our mind was we're going to find out that everybody was affected extremely badly and that's something that never goes away and that's actually not the case it's not what we found now it does become a part of their life story and we address this on film but most police officers incorporate this into their life story and they move forward and it becomes part of who they are
0: i'd say similar to a lot of combat veterans they they you know they've come to grips with it and becomes part of uh what makes them who they are today yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and certainly not in a negative way. I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It's all, no, uh, quite often yeah. very positive. Last thing, uh, actually, you know, so many questions are coming to mind to me. Oh, sure. And partly because of my own experience. Did you find when you were talking to these officers, did you spend any time talking to their spouses and the impact that it had on them?
1: We did. We talked to a couple different spouses, and originally we had a spouse in the film, but as... It, the, the first version of the film was over 2 hours and 15 minutes. I think it was closer to 2.20 or 2.25. We had to cut the film down to 96 minutes to to try to keep it within regular parameters for film. But we did speak with a spouse, and the, the most incredible thing that was said by a spouse was said by this woman to me. It was in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I asked her, I said, After your husband's shootings, do you ever have the idea or get the compulsion that you don't want your husband to be a police officer anymore. And she said this to me. She said, I've heard other police wives say that, but my husband is a police officer through and through. If I were to take policing away from him, that wouldn't be my husband anymore.
0: Very well put. Now, what is your next project? I'm sure you've got more in the works.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. We've got four. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say five projects right now, but we're <laughs> By the end of summer, we'll have three or four projects shot and finished, and one of them has to do with a major officer-involved shooting. It, uh, another one is actually uh, a scripted piece, and then we're doing a documentary on something that touches policing, but not from the officer's perspective. And it's, it all, it, the idea behind our work that we're doing this summer on our film or our film projects is different perspectives and, and humanizing law enforcement in the profession.
0: Thank you so very much. Where can people get more information about the film and you?
1: Sure. OfficerInvolvedProject.com. And then they can find us on Facebook. Just search Officer Involved Project.
0: Patrick Shaver, thanks so very much. Thank you, Jay. Patrick Shaver, filmmaker and police officer. And, you know, talking to him, I realized there's so many things to talk about with this film, Officer Involved. You can get more details about the film and Patrick at the website, officerinvolvedproject.com. That's officerinvolvedproject.com. You can get the film there. You can also get it on iTunes and Google Play Music as well. And I look forward to hearing from Patrick about upcoming projects. Very, very bright guy. And uh, lots of good information. I, for one, can't wait to see the film. Today, Robert Greenberg, my sidekick, is out doing official police business, so I'm by myself today. Had a good time. I want to remind you, if you ever want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Today radio show, it's very easy. We can accommodate you from anywhere you might be. Just contact us. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the contact us page, and send us a note. Send us a note via our Facebook page, or send an email to Robert Greenberg at LetCEO. At gmail.com. We'd also like to hear if you have any topics, suggestions, show suggestions, questions, even criticisms from time to time. Love to hear from you. This show is, after all, for you, the law enforcement officers, active, retired, families, friends, and supporters. Until next week, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.